Welcome to another episode of the Ascend Podcast with Curtis Vickery. Today, I am so excited to uh, share with you guys my first interview that I've done. Uh, it's with a good friend of mine named Wade Levitt. And uh, I hope you take the time to hear the conversation that we had. And hopefully you'll be able to pull some good nuggets out for yourself in your life. And um, I'm just so excited for you to hear this. Please... Uh, leave a comment, uh, share any insights that you have, because we have so many more of these that we want to continue to do, not just with Wade, but with others that I'm going to interview in the future. So um, enjoy this interview with Wade Levitt. Today I'm with Wade Levitt, uh, a good friend of mine. Um, To start out, Wade, do you just want to give just a little overview of uh, who you are and uh, what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So Curtis and I go, go way back. We've, we've been good, good friends. Um, I, so originally uh, schooling wise, I think if I just go through my educational experience, it, it fills in a lot of gaps of where I actually ended up. Um, I attended BYU-Idaho. Um, my degree, I graduated with a degree in sociology which um, throughout my entire experience at BYU-Idaho, I always worked um, one-on-one with kids um, in behavior intervention, um, working with a lot of kids with severe behaviors and working with families and helping them um, understand how to manage their children's behaviors. And I loved that. I also got to do a lot of training for siblings and helping siblings understand how they could work with their um, and, and being able to help with their siblings that had disabilities. So that naturally fell into, um, as soon as I graduated, I was able to get some state certificates in behavior intervention um, and working in different types of classrooms. I worked in um, a program that was in, in Idaho Falls. Work, it was uh, working with kids with mental health, behavioral, um, concerns and behavioral problems. Um, and then I worked in at Rocky Mountain Middle School. I worked there for a, multiple years, four years. Um, and my job title always changed as I continued to pursue more education. Um, but I started out working in an autism classroom, um, helping kids with autism. Um, and then that transpired as I went to grad school um, where I attended Northwest Nazarene and I got a master's degree in social work. So I was a school counselor working with, with uh, kids with mental health um, disabilities as well as behavioral disabilities um, in, in the school setting. Part of that, I, I also did a lot of work working with, with adults and, and services, making sure that kids had the needs that they, they had, their one-on-one workers with them and different things. So that was that was where I got introduced into counseling and and my passion and love for counseling. Um, I then moved to elementary school where I was uh, elementary school counselor, and I worked there for uh, four years as an elementary school counselor, and and it was awesome and I loved it. I love being a counselor and my background in counseling, um, how kids work, why kids do what they do. Um, has always been a passion of mine. And so right before COVID, I had this um, prompting to go back to school again. 
and uh, that that prompting um, I always knew that I wanted to get into school administration at some point in my career and that prompting it kind of pushed me into getting it a little bit quicker than I anticipated so I went back to school and I, I graduated with uh, an educational specialist degree in leadership um, which allows me to move into my current role as an assistant principal at an elementary school. And uh, so, yeah, that's, I've always, I haven't always, as an adult, I've always loved learning. As an adolescent, I did not like learning. Uh, <laughs> but once I, once I got a, a love for learning, it's just uh, been all uphill since then and opportunities open up the more you learn and the more you educate yourself, um, doors open. And I, I've seen that over and over in my life of opportunities continue to open of what I want to do. And uh, so, yeah, I've always loved what I do and that's kind of where I'm at, so. That's awesome, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, one of the things that I love about talking with you so much in the many conversations that we had uh, as neighbors at one point, um you just you're a very well-rounded individual um and uh there are many that i've met that maybe would equal the amount of schooling or or intelligence and knowledge that i feel like that you have in my assessment um that don't always treat individuals the way that you treat them like you're always like you're open to talk with anybody and you can get on anybody's level about anything yeah. almost. And yeah. I think it's a great asset that you have and I'm sure it's doing you well in your job that you have currently. Um, but one of the things I wanna actually ask you from your kind of introduction there is you, it, it felt like there were multiple portions as you were going through your schooling where you, you had a passion of really working on with others and trying to like help them essentially, it seems like. Um, do you feel like you ever had like an experience or something that you would feel comfortable talking about um, where it kind of clicked for you about, I wanna work with individuals like this or I wanna you know help others in this way? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I've had lots of different experience off and on throughout years. Um, one, I guess, look, looking back and seeing where I am now, it's it's easy to see um, like baby steps that I was taking as a as a child, as a as a teenager. That's like, oh yeah, those experiences as a kid definitely um, are are fundamental to what I do now. Yeah. You know, for example, I one kid in my neighborhood that I grew up with that he was always in went to church together was was always in school classes and different things like that, uh, had disabilities. And I remember at an early, early age, you know, six, seven, hanging out with this friend of mine and being like, wait a second, this kid's, this kid's different. And I always wanted to help him. I always wanted to, um, look for opportunities to invite him to be part of our friend group and different things like that. And I, at an, at a young age, and now looking back, I'm like, man, I was, I was being a school counselor at the age of like six or seven, like, and so having those, those experiences and, and working with, you know, friends and, and problems, you know, I've always been a people person. I remember taking those, those test things in high school, like take this test and it'll tell you what you need to be when you grow up. And uh, 
which I never grew up. It was just, uh, <laughs> you know, but, but I always scored high on, on working with people and, and being around people. Um, and, and so a story kind of that you had asked if I'd be willing to share it. Yeah. I remember being at BYU, Idaho and, and my, my paradigm of an occupation, um, I was, I was actually struggling with it a lot. And this was early about my freshman year of college. Um, I was, you know, having those, oh, now, now's the time to grow up. Now's the time to get a degree. And am I getting the right degree? Um, and so my paradigm of, of what a man was and what a man's occupation was didn't align with, with maybe counseling in my mind. Yeah. Um, and, and so I struggled with it for a while because I, in, in my growing up years, I, I did construction work and I, and I worked with these rough, tough men. Yeah. Um, but the more I was in school, the more I realized like, I, I didn't, I didn't want an occupation where I had to be out in negative 20 degree weather working outside. Um, because that my personality, I'm just a big sissy. Like I just, <laughs> I don't want to be out in it either though. I, yeah. And, and, uh, and so I, I struggled with that. And finally, I, I remember having a heart to heart conversation with my wife that was like, just, ex I just accepted it. And I said, this is who I am. And, and for my life, like my occupation is all about helping people. It's not about building houses or building roads and working outside. And I, I made this connection that all of the things that I love to do outside, those are my hobbies. And that's what I love. And that's actually what fuels me to continue to help me help other people. And, and so I had a disconnect of saying, I, I am a manly man and I like to do manly things, yeah. but my occupation is helping people. Um, and when I had that, that heart to heart with my wife, when she looked at me and said, you're an idiot. Like, why do you, why do you view that? <laughs> Carly totally would say that, right? Right, right. She, she put, put me in my spot of telling me, you know, that's, you can do whatever you want to do. And uh, yeah, so that was, that was big for me. And, and once I kind of let go of that, I, I just have realized that, you know, that's the way that I want to go. Yeah. That's so awesome that you're able to kind of go and explore those options. And, uh, you know, sometimes it does take um, a minute to kind of realize it. Cause I mean, I think a lot of people have uh, similar experiences where they feel maybe confined to, I need to do this because of other or X, Y, Z in my life. Right. Yeah. And uh, luckily you have a spouse that's super supportive and she's awesome herself right. in doing and, that. But and, yeah, and going go along with that, like finances were never a driving factor for me, which yeah. I know for a lot of people, like that's crazy. And, yeah. and I, I just said, I'm going to do what I love and we'll figure it out. And we always have like, and I actually feel very blessed that I, I have plenty for what I need and plenty of, financial gain to to live a comfortable life and to raise a family yeah. um, and which is which is hard you know and that's <laughs> that's part of accepting that like in in my undergrad it was like okay like there is no option like I have to go to grad school yeah um, but financially to to do to finance like a bachelor's degree in sociology can only take you so far financially. Yeah. And so I accepted that. I, and that was part of like becoming a life learner. 
Like if I'm all in to be a life learner, like I got to go to grad school. You're all in. I'm all in. Well, and I, I did want to ask you about this and I, I think this is an appropriate time to do so after some of the comments that you made about, you know, happiness, right. In general. Um, and how you, you feel a lot of happiness in the profession that you have in the work that you do on a day-to-day uh, basis. It's nice that it provides uh, monetary aspects for you too, right? But um, uh, what advice in your experience in your, your field that you're in, you know, uh, would you give people that are searching to try to find happiness in their life? Like any words of wisdom? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, that's hard because for me and my, and I feel like my occupation is a little bit different, but I feel like each occupation can do it. That you're, what you do as a job is not, is not necessarily who you are, but it's what you, what you do. Um, and so def- I'm a type of person that I set very clear boundaries as far as when I'm at work, I'm 100% at work. When I'm at home, I'm 100% at home. And I, and I separate those, those two things. Um, and, and so I see a lot of friends and, that they have a hard time with that divide. And, and so then you get stuck um, working, working for the man, right? Like yeah. you're, you're, you're working 80 hours a week and you don't get to see your, your kids. Or when you are home, you're, you're taking phone calls for work and then you're just feeling drained. You're feeling, you know, overworked and you're not happy with your job. You're not happy at home because work's always at home. Um, yeah. And so for me, it's always been about dividing it up and, and having like a, a separation of that. But at the same time, finding a, a good balance of like, my occupation is, is my lifestyle. Like that's, yeah. that, that's what I'm all about. And, and the one thing that has drawn me to, to counseling specifically, and then working in public education is, is the lifestyle it brings. Um, and my lifestyle brings me happiness. My lifestyle is centered around my family and it's, and for that to happen, I'm off every night. I don't work nights. I don't work weekends. Right. I'm, I'm blessed to have every major holiday off and I'm also blessed to have a break in the summer off. Um, and that's where, that's where a lot of my friends, they, they hate me for that, (laughs) you know, and, and they're, they're, they're envious of it. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what, my paycheck looks different because I work nine months of the year, you work 12 months of the year, but it's a lifestyle you know, and so happiness right. is for me of, of finding that balance of being the same person, no matter where you're at, at work, at home, in, in the community, volunteering at, at, at church or whatever you do, being the same person. And as soon as you can be the same person anywhere and have no shame and no guilt and just be you wherever you're at that's happiness to me. Like, um, at least a foundation of it for sure. That was a great explanation. And I feel like, again, he's speaking truth because (laughs) I've seen you in a lot of different uh, situations and you are, I mean, you're, 
you are, are consistent, which makes it easier to live a consistent life, which then brings, you know, happiness and everybody can expect certain things out of you because they know who you are, you know? Um, So kind of shifting gears a little bit, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, the current work that you're in. Um, You work um, a lot with uh, elementary school kids, right? Um, Okay. Um, And you're working now as an assistant principal. You've worked as uh, a school counselor. You've worked as a school support specialist. Um, in in that work that you have done, what are some of that you've noticed some of the uh, larger concerns or obstacles that a lot of young kids are encountering nowadays? Oh man, there there are so many obstacles of of life. Uh, one one thing that I've done a lot of research in, and I've I've done a lot of training in for different um, different different people. I've I've done some training in the community. I've done training at, at a school level, training uh, faculty members. It um, has been some research that I've done on social media's impact um, on on adolescents and kids. Um, that's one that I'm pretty passionate about. Um, and it kind of goes along with my beliefs of setting boundaries. Um, and, I, and I don't know if today's the time of going into all of that, but you know, there's, amazing, <laughs> there's amazing podcasts on, on social media's impact on, on the brain and yeah. what's happening to the rising generation, the adolescents right now. Um, along with that goes along with, with parenting. Um, I, I feel like oftentimes parents are scared to take parenting classes um, and communicate, but I, I feel like parents need to um, need to figure out how they're going to parent together. So oftentimes I see dad parent one way and mom parent another, and it's just causing chaos. Um, and, and of course that's, you know, then you throw other wrenches in, into society of, of divorce and abuse yeah. and neglect. Um, but one thing that I, that I see too, and there's a lot of talk on um, parenting styles, um, but our generation, I see um, a lot of permissive parenting um, and it is, it is, and I'll say it this way, it is more damaging. Permissive parenting is more damaging than abusive parenting or authoritative parenting um that's a tweet right there man if you tweet tweet it, I, tweet it I, out man. But, that is a tweet but right it's there. true like I've, I've worked with kids that have come from abusive homes and authoritative parents um and i've worked with a lot of kids that are being raised by permissive parents that the parents are kind of you know putting their hands up and letting the kids raise raise themselves or make the calls and uh, um it's, it's, it's not healthy for the kids. It's, it's more, it's more damaging for the kids. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, setting boundaries as a parent, learn, having skills of learning how to um, be a firm, but kind parent is very hard in our day and age for, for parents. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's uh, another part of my background is I have actually become a I'm a certified um, instructor on positive discipline. So shout out for positive discipline. If yeah. you 
if you haven't heard of it, um, it's it's old and it, and it's funny. I had a conversation just the other day where I, I was telling a coworker about my background in it. She and the, she looked at me and was like, "Positive discipline, like that's like thirty years old." It's and like I'm an oxymoron like, almost for a lot of people, right? It's yeah, like, that yeah, doesn't make exactly. Sense. <laughs> and but but the thing is, is it is old and the and but it's 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 doctrine, like it's parent. Um, uh, yeah, parenting class doctrine. Like if you follow some positive discipline, it's it's all about making connections with your kids, connecting with them before redirecting. Um, and then I, I know you're deep into psychology, but it, it goes into uh, Adlerian theory, which is a, a practice. Right. And uh, oh man, I, I could spend hours and hours <laughs> going, going Adlerian on you. Yeah, well, actually, uh, like I'm super interested in this. I don't think I've ever heard of it, uh, heard of that before. Um, if you, if you could give a plug on just some quick ways to maybe, if somebody was interested in trying to find some resources, yeah, where would they go? Yeah, so a lot of a lot of res- The best would be reading it from the horse's mouth. There is a book that's titled Positive Discipline by Jane Nelson. Um, and her approach is she's using Adlerian theory. Alfred Adler, um, was a psychologist that studied with Freud back in the day. And they, they had some disagreements on theory and they, Adler actually separated from Freud because they, they viewed things differently. So if you're ever in a psychology class or you hear things about, um, uh, birth order, uh, about kids being born, you know, are you the oldest? Are you the middle yeah. or the youngest? That all comes from Alfred Adler. Um, he he called his his psychology individual psychology, but in the trans translation into English, individual doesn't mean what we view it as in here in America. It, he, the interpretation that he was actually giving was individual as a whole, and so when we work with individuals. Um, and a holistic approach. Gotcha. We're working with all of Curtis. You know, we're yeah. not. We're looking at him and his paradigms to his life. That I know that Curtis is is a baby in his family. Shout out for babies. That's Woo! right. He knows me. Don't um, expose my secrets, Wade. And so <laughs> Curtis and I viewed the world differently because we're the babies of our family. Yeah. And uh, um, and so looking at that paradigm of of a kid uh, and where they're at. Um, so that's that's kind of a little bit. Um, a, another big thing is all about um, um, looking for, we hear a lot of like compensation, overcompensation. And so Adler believed that every one of us are, have feelings of insignificance or inferior. Sorry. Um, and so we, at some point in our life, we have this like feeling that we're insignificant. And so then right. we start to compensate to make that, that insignificance go away. And oftentimes we overcompensate, um, trying to, we try too hard. And so anything dealing with those kind of things, birth order, um, and compensation, overcompensation, that that's coming from Alfred Adler. Um, you can Google him. Yeah. There's tons of, tons of, tons of stuff. And again, people are going to say, oh, that's, he's old, he's old school. But when you really look at the fundamentals of Adlerian theory, a lot of modern theories that counselors are using 
are really appendages coming off from Adlerian theory. Yeah. Um, hey, so, if if yeah. if school kids are cool to recycle clothing and music, we can, yeah. you know, uh, glow up some of these yeah. psychology theories or education theories to try to help us improve. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's a big go-to of mine. Um, other great things you could look into is the love languages. Amazing good stuff there, yeah. Amazing stuff for parents. And it's it's very, very similar to that Adlerian theory. Um, and then I, I can't talk about theory and practices without giving a shout out to my girl, Brene Brown. Yeah, Brene Brown. Um, great you know, lady. She's all, she's all about shame and vulnerability. Um, and which, which to me ties into that insignificance. Like I feel 100%. insignificant. I feel like I'm not worth that. I'm not worthy. Um, and she has written many uh, amazing books. And, uh, and so if I kind of took Adlerian positive discipline, love languages and Brene Brown, like that's, that's my approach to helping kids and families. Man, I need to, I need to study up on that stuff. Cause you know, I think I, I'm, I'm sure like many other uh, parents out there, you know, um, I've got some kids myself and uh, I would love to think that my, my parenting style works all of the time and it does not. And sometimes it stinks and it's frustrating and you, you feel like you're the adult and you should know how to do this. But at the same time, one of the things that you kind of talked about, which I don't know why I haven't really thought about this much, but I mean, I've, I've tried to gain an education to learn how to do so many things in my life, but there's really no core education on like how to be a good parent other than, you know, if you try to involve yourself with um, maybe some core uh, uh, like uh, religious tenants or other things like that, but still like we're, we're humans and, Right. We are not perfect in that area. And that's a scary and frustrating thing sometimes when it comes to uh, the actual socialization of like a kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I firmly believe that like, if you are a parent that is least researching on your own, reading a book, going to a parenting class, you're an awesome parent. Um, parent parents that aren't willing to do that, they're the ones, and that's the hardest part. They're the ones that need help. And so I, I've taught a lot of different parenting classes and different things. How do we get parents into a school building? But it's oh, like, yeah. oh, we always get, we always think we get the parents into the building that don't need it. How do we get the ones that need it into the building? Yeah. Um, but I believe that those that show up, those that are looking, those that are trying to improve, those are the, those are, you're on the right path. And so like, if you're listening to us ramble um, <laughs> you're on the right path like you're you're at least trying to figure out um how to improve your life how to improve your children's life um and so keep on the path keep keep looking yeah. up things keep keep studying you know i'm all about always having a book list yeah and when you hear things like this you just you put it on your book list. that's right i wrote like, it down to add on my list because i, check it, check I it need out. to do it and one, I think as you talked about too, it helps us to maintain that attitude of a lifelong learner, right? And um, there's a lot of things that I, I, I hope that 
my kids can learn from uh, from uh, my wife and myself as they grow up in our home. But I think that that's actually one of those things too, where I, I never want my kid, especially from my experience in the public schools, you know, I never want my kid to lose that love of, of learning something new. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see a lot of younger kids uh, lose that. And then it sticks with them all the way through uh, middle school, through high school. And then they just, they're like, oh, I can't learn things, you know, and then they don't want to learn things. And right. it's just this kind of a perpetual uh, cycle that it's hard to break when they're older, you know? Right. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, one of the next things I want to kind of uh, jump into, again, that was awesome. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll try to throw in maybe some links or some uh, descriptions of that uh, positive uh, discipline book yeah. um, in the notes of, of this of this podcast but um, you you've you've often um, oh I, I would say that the education profession in many ways can be uh, often a very emotionally uh, draining profession. Um, it may not be the construction job, right? Where you're out there and man, you're coming home and you're like, oh my gosh, my, my traps are hurting. My, my quads are killing my hammies, you know, slaying me today. Yet oftentimes when you come home emotionally and uh, mentally, it can just be a big breath of I'm home, right? I I need to, uh, I need to uh, relax or I need to unwind a little bit. How do you in the profession that you're in and, how important it is for you to stay on your game, right? Mm-hmm. In in helping in helping kids navigate so many situations in their life and kind of keeping up that that positivity for them. How do you um, make sure that you unwind that you that you kind of uh, protect that in your life? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for me, it's establishing hobbies. Um, and year-round hobbies, um, and so living living in Idaho, we have to you have to either jump all in or you got to get out. Kind of <laughs> like if you hate winter, like move to Arizona, or <laughs> or find a love for shredding some narnar, you know, some narnar. That's good. So you know that um, that's that's where I'm at. Like I I have to have those times of of getting out for me it's all in the outdoors i i have to get outside um and having routine checkup times for myself that i can you know get out on my bike get on my my mountain bike my wife will tell you i have too many bicycles hanging in our house (laughs) curtis has seen them he has a couple Um, they're nice bikes so yeah (laughs) getting out on a bike getting out on the skis um I, I found a new love for rock climbing the last year, which has been awesome. Um, and, and so for me, I, I often have to have um, some downtime in transition between work and, and home. And so having open communication with my wife of what I need, of yeah. like, okay, I am on my way home, but I, I'm going to need 15 minutes before anyone talks to me. And that's that's the draining part of, of my job as even now I'm, I'm kids are talking to me, teachers are talking to me all day long, but sometimes I just need like nothing. Um, oftentimes when I drive home from work, 
I don't even listen to music. It's just like a quiet car and I'm just driving by myself. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a firm believer and I've heard this quote and I, I heard it um, years, years ago in a, in a college class. And it's, uh, we need, it's the rule of the three eights that we need to have eight hours of sleep, eight hours of work and eight hours of recreation every day. And uh, in our day, in our society that we live, American society, when you say that, people cringe. Like they, they freak out um, because for some reason we think that you're, if you get five hours of sleep, that you were like stronger and cooler than someone else. You right. Know? But, you know, you need, your body needs eight hours of sleep. Like it needs some serious sleep. Because when it doesn't, what happens is we get five hours of sleep and then all of a sudden we crash. And then we, then one night we end up getting 10, 12 hours of sleep. But if we can consistently get eight hours of sleep, that's, that's what we need. Um, I think if we're working more than eight hours a day, we hate our job. <laughs> like I, I don't think you can love your job consistently if you're working more than eight hours a day. Yeah. Um, but then when you go to the eight hours of recreation, Recreation is doing a preferred activity that you enjoy, right? And, uh, and that, that could be really anything because I could look at mowing my lawn as like this work and I hate it, but the way that I mow my lawn, it's recreation for me. I, I love mowing my lawn, man. I, I enjoy it. That's, I, I put my headphones on and I listen to Curtis Vickery's podcast. <laughs> I do. Thanks for the shameless plug. Yeah. Shout out. But but his uh, his podcasts are usually pretty short, so I have to listen to a couple of different podcasts. Listening to music, you know, and so mowing my lawn, shoveling my driveway when it snows, yeah, are recreation. Even though it's technically work, um, being in my garden, um, those those types of things. Being with my kids, you know, if being with your kids is work, then you got to figure it out. Like you got to change things up and make it enjoyable for everyone in the home. Um, here's, here's another little wisdom for you. That Hold I on a second. Here. Really quick uh, recap for everybody. What uh, the three eights were again. Okay. Yeah. 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 Three eights. Uh, the three eights are eight hours of sleep. Okay. Eight hours of work and eight hours of recreation. Okay. That's going to go on the Twitter board. Okay. Um, <laughs> But the, the other uh, thing of wisdom for me that helps me um, not become drained over my life is there are some days you come home and it's like, oh my gosh, I just worked all day long. And then I come home and the kids are just like obnoxious and I feel like I'm back at work. Like, and oh, so, especially in the elementary school room that yeah, you're in, yeah, right? Like, yeah, it's just like, I'll, wow. I'll go in and talk to a bunch of third graders and then I go home and I'm like, I live with you. Like <laughs> I live with a third grader. Yeah. Like I'm sure uh, so many people can relate to that, yeah, right? Just yeah, like, exactly. oh my goodness. Um, and so for me, um, establishing strong family values is is crucial in in making sure when I get home, it's not it's not work. And I say that because my family values in my immediate family are centered on play, are centered on adventure, 
um, and, and are centered on hobbies that we all love. Right. And so here's, here's the definition of a family value. Yeah. Sure. A family value is what the family, all of the family members do together. I like that. And That's so, great. And so, for example, if, if the parents say that going to church is a family value, but on Sunday, dad goes and plays golf and mom takes the kids to church, church isn't a family value. Right. Because dad's, but golfing is not also a family value because the kids don't go golfing with dad. That's dad's hobby. And mom's mom goes to church with the kids. Like that's not a family value. Right. Another twist that I see is I love to ride bikes. I want my kids to ride bikes. So I am willing to pay good money for good bikes for my kids so that we can all go on bike rides together. Right. And, and that's a family value. We go on bike rides. We go on adventures. Um, I love that. If, if a family wants riding bikes as their family value, but only the kids have bikes, Riding bikes is not a family value for your family. That's riding bikes are what your kids do out on the street and mom and dad staying home and they're on their Facebook page, twiddling their thumbs. Yeah. Um, and so establishing family values when I get home from work and I don't want to sit around and yell at my kids all night because that's work. <laughs> I have to engage in a family value. I have to say, okay, tonight's a movie night. Tonight, we're going on a bike ride. Tonight, we're going skiing. Tonight, we're going rock climbing Yeah, and, and, and doing things. Or, or tonight, we're going to go to one of the siblings' um, soccer games or whatever it might be. And, and it's funny because I grew up in this household, and my wife thinks it's so funny and weird. But we used to like do everything together in my house. We would go grocery shopping as a family. And yeah. now it's like, whenever I do that, like, like, Hey, let's all like go to Costco together. My wife is like, let's not like <laughs> she hates, she hates that. But for oh, me, yeah. like it's a family. I don't find if it's something we all value together, yeah, um, that it makes it worth it, you know? And it's not as, as painful. Obviously sometimes going to Costco with your kids is very painful. Understandable. But, but it's again, but you're trying to, you're trying to sometimes do the family it can value. Be like, just what you do, you know, you go go to Costco and you get their awesome ice cream at the end of the Costco trip. Right. So family values. So we got the three eights of the family values. Yeah. That's, those are all good things that you do that. I I think again, even if they're not exactly like that, I think everybody can try to apply those in their life. Right. And even if they don't feel like they can attain that right away, could be, you know, a goal to have. Well, and, and going along with that too, I think you have to also split up what is a value to other family members and allow them to, ha- to have those in their life. So my wife loves to go to the gym, like religiously goes to the gym. And I try to, um, <laughs> but, um, but I know that there has to be a give and, give and take. Right. I, I probably spend way too much time on the ski hill in the winter than she would like, but there's some give and take that that allows her to meet her her expectations of of having some self-care and me allowing me to have my personal self-care times and then doing it together as a family um yeah and that and uh, and as as you talked about again that that open communication 
uh, allows you to get on the same page or right. to be able to have an arrangement of, uh, of what works for you guys. Right. And um, at least from an outside perspective, you guys look like you like each other. So not that outside perspective is important, but like, you know, I, yeah, I think, I think that is important to allow each other to advocate for, uh, for yourself. Right. And the, right. and the things that you enjoy. Um, right. So I have three last kind of wrap up questions here. They're the ones that I want to try to use and implement through um, all the interviews that I do. Want to do it. So the first one is, and this one might be out of all of them, maybe a little bit longer of an answer, but it's all to you, is who has been um, either a role model or some sort of a person of impact for you in your, in your, uh, your uh, profession, your life? Um, yeah. And why? Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of options, I'm sure. You know, that I love that question because that's one that I have always um, like had in the back of my head. Um, and I think at different times in your life, different seasons, it, it, it obviously changes. And different, different people impact you. Um, and, and it's hard too, because I could, I could think all the way back to when I was in elementary school and, and teachers that, that I absolutely loved. Um, and impacted me, but in my occupation, um, you, you know, I, I had awesome mentors in my counseling program, um, uh, a guy named Lloyd Becker, uh, who works at the school district. He had worked for many, many years. He continues to work um, at, for the same school district, 30 plus years. Yeah. Um, and him at the end of his career and me at the beginning, he just like opened up the floodgates and said, like, what do you want to know? Like, I want you to be just as successful as I am, like on my way out and your way in, like our relationship, I feel like he handed me the baton. Um, and so in, in kind of his, and that was his mentoring teaching style. Like he was, he was all in. That's a super um, special thing too, to be able to it, have it, that. Yeah. It, and it definitely was. Um, and then just, working with other in my last one, I was the school counselor of an elementary school, the school principal was extremely open with me and just saying, I, I want to give you all of the knowledge that I have. Um, and, and part of that was he knew that I was working into this assistant principal role. Um, and, and so I, I feel like for me, I often have, like, I look at young people in, in the career or, or people that are, coworkers that work in different spots. And I want to say, seriously, anything I can do to help you be awesome at your job. Like I'm, I'm all in, like, I, I want to help. And that's, um, and you, you see them, you look for them. Yeah. And I think my whole growing up, probably from the age of, I don't know, 15 or 16, I would look at people and say, I want to be like that person when I grow up. And I look for qualities in that person and, and try to pick out those qualities. Yeah. Um, of, diff- of different people. And a lot of times it's the people that you're working with and rubbing shoulders with often that you can pick out the good in them. And also like, eh, I'm not going to do it that way. Yeah. So le- no, just, le- just learning from people in, in general. So. No, that's great. And I, th- I think that, um, you know, uh, uh, imagining what 
all professions um, would look like if we all had that attitude that as we gained knowledge, we were actively seeking and trying to intentionally and appropriately share that knowledge with others. Right. You know, and if, if, if that was the norm, how positive of an environment that would be for almost any industry. Right. 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 Or, or the flip of like, you know, you got a coworker that's like, ah, you know, I know how to do it, but I'm not going to tell you how to do it or teach you how to do it. How miserable that is. Right. Right. Like, I just want to see you fail. It's like, yeah, why why do you want to see me fail? And again, a a side note, we're not saying that, like, if you fail, that can't be healthy for you. Like, just clarifying for all the psychology people out there. I know that's important still. But again, in the end, though, that that kind of a mentorship, if we could have like line upon line with like, hey, I'm I'm helping and you're helping and you're helping someone. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um. You gave us kind of um, a book recommendation earlier, but I, I always like to add to that list. Is there any other or a book that you would be like, man, and I know you have a lot, but you got to choose one today, Wade. What, what would be a book that you would encourage myself and anybody listening? So, like, so I, read this I'm looking at my bookshelf that I, that, that's right here next to me. Um, I have to pick one book. I, I know there's so many, but like, I mean, I can't take, I mean, hey, maybe you send me your list and maybe I'll add it in the description too or something like that, but at least throw a plug in for at least one book. Um, so uh, the the one that the most recent one that I finished that was like I loved that book was actually Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. Such a good book. Such yeah. a good book. Um, and so that was it's it's great. Um, I love all of Malcolm Gladwell's books. His podcasts are great. Um, and so that's that's one that I I just completed the challenge that um, part of the challenge was reading a book. Uh, reading 10 pages a day out of a book and uh and it's been a long time that i've actually like in uh plowed through so in in 75 days i read about six books and uh just of 10 pages a day kind of thing and it was it was awesome and that's uh, great but but blink was was of those six books that i read blink was the one that i was like ah oh, that's just what I, what i needed to hear at that time um and it's all about um, learning from the, those those quick decisions, those blink moments in our life, and and what we can learn from them, and so yeah, okay, blink is on there. Okay, so a blink by Malcolm Gladwell, and then my last question for you, Wade, is who do you think that I should interview next, and why? Oh yeah, that's a that's if you, quick. If you had uh, to give a recommendation that you'd be like, hey, I think people would want to know about this individual and who they are and how they work, who would it be? Oh shoot, I got a lot of good people. They, Everybody's gonna be mad if you don't say their name. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, They're all dying to get on the podcast. I I know people. I just have advertisers galore. <laughs> um so yeah 
There's Save a, the tough questions for last, Wade. I, I told no, you. No, there, there's a lot of people that, like, I have, I, I love that you invited me to be on here because I've wanted to do a podcast or I've thought about doing a podcast and different friends that I've had conversations with about the same thing. Um, my first one that comes to my head is, is my, my good friend, Cam Millick. He, uh, he's a counselor. Um, he works at a, a private practice counseling. He has, has done a little podcast stuff of himself for himself, kind of getting just different things out there. Him and I, much like you and I, Curtis, have sat down and we've had these conversations of just life and all sorts of things. Um, I love conversations with Cam um, because of the way that he thinks about things and he's just straight up and real and he's, he's a funny dude. Um, That's great. So yeah, okay. give, give a shout out to, to Mr. Cam. He, uh, yeah, he, he come, he talked to you. Good. Yeah, I hope so. That would be great. Um, well, Wade, we, we appreciate you taking the time to share your, uh, experience and insight and you, everybody was able to probably pull out some good little nuggets uh to help themselves um as we again just strive to improve ourselves and to try to lead a happy and a more a positive life so thank you so much for uh, being with us absolutely thanks for having me it was fun fun to, fun to chat my old buddy curtis vickery <laughs> all right thanks wade see ya Hope you enjoyed that interview with Wade Levitt. And thank you for joining us today on the Ascend podcast. Keep climbing and join us next time.